Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Pabst Blue Ribbon. Always smooth, always refreshing. Gold medal winner at the 2016 Great American Beer Festival. When you're this good, quality always comes through. PB Army, ASAP. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. Hello and welcome to another episode of Matt and Judd's Hockey Adventure. Matthew Collar with you along with Judd Zolgad. And it uh, Judd has been an eventful first two games of the Stanley Cup Final. Is that a fair way to describe it, or maybe just kind of bonkers? It has been, I would say, uh, bonkers with a little bit of madness thrown in uh, by the fact that I still can't get over the fact that the first Nashville goal in Game 1 didn't count because of a replay review on offsides. Uh, of a replay, I have no idea how they came to a definitive conclusion when no one in their right mind uh, could have done so. Can I avoid talking about that too much because my head will explode? I still can't get over that. Uh, that the league would have this opportunity where you're on Memorial Day or the Monday off everyone has. You're the only act in town, really, outside of baseball, but baseball's on all the time. So you get yeah. this chance. You're on national TV. Yep. One of the how many ever games that aren't on NBC Sports Network. Mm-hmm. You've got this great chance to show off this player and this team that everyone's been talking about. Nashville. PK Subban had an E60 thing that was done on ESPN. Everyone would have seen it. So you're thinking this is a, this is great for hockey. Let's just get Sid and PK going, and PK scores. It's one Def- nothing. Defensemen don't even score that often, and well, in Nashville they do. But PK comes up and yep. scores. This is exciting. He celebrates. He's ready to go. And your response as a league is to not only take away his goal on a very, very, very questionable review, but to take five minutes to do it as well yes. and just suck any wind out of the sails that you have. The only thing that you forgot in that entire explanation, Collar, was that earlier that day in his State of the League address, the wise Gary Bettman had told us that replay was working just like the league wants it to. And honest to God, you know what? And I'm not old school as far as this goes. I get replay. I get the fact that sports are evolving. I think this is a good thing. But have we not seen enough of offside reviews this year to know that the system is beyond flawed? And then what I also love is, so if you're a casual sports fan and you decide, you know what, what the hell? Tonight I'm going to take in a hockey game and I'm going to give this high-flying sport a chance. And they go to replay and you look as they're showing the linesman reviewing 
the potential offsides, and they've got these little iPads that they're looking at. <laughs> yes. I mean, how it looks ridiculous. I love this sport. I dearly love this sport. But how much more backwards can this sport get? You've got officials with iPads that you know are these little, and they're standing there looking at these things. And as you just said, it takes forever to do it. It was so embarrassing. And once again, that's why I don't. You know what? If casual sports fans said, you know what, it's time for now, Madlock. I don't blame them one bit. The grand irony of the whole thing is that they're using little iPads to check on whether a guy's skate blade was one inch off of the ice, but they don't call when everybody's cross-checking each other, whacking each other in the head, slashing away from the play, that power plays are at their all-time lowest, and yet your focus is on something as small and minute as this. And I know that more sports are going to replays, Yeah, but... There's two things that are other sports do that does that doesn't apply here. And one of them is other sports acknowledge that there is stuff you just can't review all the time. Traveling. Can you imagine if they reviewed traveling in the NBA? Like no one cares. No, I can't, but it's, it's I it, see your point. It's been proven. Yes. No NBA fan cares that LeBron travels every once in a while. Yes. They just don't care. Yes. Holding. Imagine if you went back and tried to review every holding. I see this as the same way. It's something where we just have to accept that every once in a while, a guy will be a little off sides, but it doesn't matter. Just stop the puck. And the other part is <laughs> Ron Hainsey had the puck and he turned it over. So they came into the zone offside, but the Penguins gained possession of that puck. Yes. Then turned it over before the goal. Yes. So you're telling me that the other team can even have the puck. Right. And they can still take one away. That is really mind-blowing. A month and a half ago, NHL Network did a entire portion of a show on offsides to basically say, okay, because it's now being reviewed, there's a lot of different ways that you can be offside or onside. It's not as clear-cut as you think. And one of them, one example was if I have the puck on my stick and I decide to enter the zone backwards – I can do that, and I can technically be offsides because my skates uh, precede the puck into the zone. However, if I have control of the puck on my stick, and by the way, control is very loosely based. I'm not talking about glue to my stick. I'm saying I'm stick handling it. I can back in. Technically, I'm onside. As far as I could tell, the play that we're talking about was more than onside. And so here's my question. Have we gotten to a point, too, where we need to say, <coughs> excuse me, offside, <coughs> offside or onside should not count? That you should just be, are we too technical here? I don't know. But <coughs> but this is embarrassing. I mean, it's gotten to the point now where we're sitting there waiting and waiting and waiting. And I'm saying to myself, once again, my sport's done it. It should only be if they're going to do it. It should only be if we're talking about egregiously offside. Mm -hmm. But then they should be able to call that anyway, and that's why we don't really need it. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't want to go on much longer about that. Okay. Because I'll just go I'll just talk for another hour about how much I can't stand this Let's and how many things the league does wrong. And especially as we record this on the eve of the most anticipated NBA finals of all time. I know. The contrast there between how the two leagues are handled is really noticeable. Um, let me start with this then. Nashville, any chance to come back here? Oh, yes. Slim, but yes. In this league, it can happen. They're going home. They're tough to beat at home. 
I like them a lot still. Here's my question. Goaltending-wise, Rena's looked really, really sh- – I mean, game two, he looked super shaky. Uh, if you now just suddenly have a slumping goaltender, they're obviously done. That being said, I am going to give them a 10% chance based on the fact that if he can get his game turned around, they go home. And keep in mind, too, they dominated game one. I mean, they they scored the first goal, got taken away. I believe Pittsburgh went uh, 37, right, Mm -hmm. minutes without a shot on goal. I think Pittsburgh went, scored their third goal to take a three-zip lead, if I'm not mistaken, did not get a shot in the second period, then scored their fourth goal on their next shot in the third period. I give them a very, very slim chance. If the goaltending does not get turned around, though, they are completely done. It's over then. Especially because Matt Murray is a pretty good goalie, and they got to him in the first game, but there aren't going to be too many times they're going to get to him. Uh, When I look at these first two games from Nashville, if you're anyone on those teams, this is going to remind you of the Minnesota Wild a little bit, if you are anyone on those teams outside of the goalie, you feel like we should have won those games, mm-hmm. that we were the better team in both. We went into the third period 1-1, but still playing better hockey, still with more of the puck, clearly dominated game one and should have come away with a win there. I mean, part of it with Pekka Rene is bad luck. Like, there's been two own goals. You could go months without seeing one, and now you see two in back-to-back games. But... There was a little regression on the horizon here as they went into this series because he came in with the fourth highest save percentage of any goalie that played more than 10 games in Stanley Cup final playoff history. Mm -hmm. I mean, was he really likely to keep that up? I suppose it would have been possible, but now you're playing against a team with three of the best players in the world and then some hot young players too. Jay Gensel, right, yeah, right. Three of the best, and then oh yeah, Sidney Crosby. No, I. Uh, but with with Gensel stepping up, that's what every Stanley Cup final team has. Is there's a Brandon Sod, or there's just somebody who you didn't think was a huge player. Well, Pittsburgh that finds, finds guys up. too, to their credit. They've yep. done a good job of that. And it helps when you have Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin too. Of course, that uh, you know you could put Jake Gensel on a line with Sidney Crosby, and that's going to help him quite a bit. But um, the fact that Pittsburgh was outplayed that Nashville still has the defense that has controlled the puck for the first two games, I think it says that, yes, it is still possible for them to get back in it. Mm-hmm. I just have a tough time thinking that they can overcome to win with uh, down two games because the Penguins just don't let you off the hook like that. That there are teams where you say, well, you know, I mean, we, we outplayed them, so watch us. No, this is a team that when you outplayed them, it's more likely they'll come back and play you even or better. And then if you give them any chances on the power play or whatever, or breakdowns, they'll get you. they're going to take advantage. And that's the thing. When you have Sidney Crosby being able to face the toughest minutes to be out there for a third or more of the game and then mulking out for the other third of the game, mm-hmm. you can't afford to let a game get away that you should have won. And that's what Nashville has now done twice. Mm-hmm. And, and the th- thing too is with those two guys, you can't beat them up because they'll come back at you too. You know, there's some guys who, who are really good players, but you can physically start to try and either intimidate or beat up those two. You can't, I mean, Crosby, they showed a couple hits on in game two. I mean, Crosby's going after guys himself, which is why his style to me is so intriguing because he plays a tough style, and when people come back and say, 
and and talk about his concussion problems. There's a reason why he gets concussions. So, yeah, it's it's going to be extremely tough. I am very curious to see on Saturday in Game 3 how N- Nashville comes out because there is no question in my mind in Game 1 they outplayed Pittsburgh. There's no question in Game 2 for portions they did. So now playing in front of that home crowd, which is a great crowd in Nashville, do they come out hyped up or do they come out completely gassed now? How would you rate Nashville's play with their forwards? Because this was the big uh, mismatch that was in this series, that Nashville had a much better defense, and uh, but the forwards without Ryan Johansson... Which is a huge loss. ...very much weakened. Yep. Some guy from the AHL who was a second-rounder makes an incredible play to dance around Olimata to score in Game 2, and he yeah. had the only goal there, uh, but uh, when they went and tied 1-1, he had that goal. But uh, overall, I think the firepower that they showed with Johansson in the lineup, it isn't there. So even if they're controlling the puck, Mm -hmm. they're not able to produce the same way because when they had that line together of Johansson, Arvidsson, and Forsberg, it was a powerhouse. I mean, that was two top draft picks, and then Arvidsson's a, a really good skater who fit in perfectly. Sure. And I feel like... Controlling the puck, and we talk about this sometimes with the wild, puck possession, all those things, very important. Usually the great puck possession teams win, but controlling the puck doesn't do you as much good when you don't have one of your top playmakers. Yeah, I would say when when Johansson went out to me, that raised questions because that he was playing so well. And it's funny, when they made the trade initially with uh, Columbus to get him, the Wild also had talked to the Jackets about him as well. And there was a period of time there where I thought, well, you know, he's sort of a disappointment to me. He's not as good. I don't know that he's – he's not a bad player, but I don't know that he's he's going to live up to expectations. And in these playoffs, he had been fantastic. That raises an interesting question to me. This will never happen, but tell me this. With how brutal these playoffs are, and they are. I mean, it takes, it takes you four rounds, seven games apiece, potentially – uh, to advance, do you think that this league, if they could, that they should give thought to going back to a best three of five in mm-hmm. the first round? Because these playoffs are so long, and the one thing I see is because of that, you do get guys completely beat up. So if you want to make a case that by the time we get to the finals that you would like the best hockey possible, I think – starting with a best four of seven in the first round, it becomes d- damn near impossible for that to happen. Do you think that it would be wise to go back to what they used to have, which was at least to start off with the best three of five? Well, yeah, I would. And I also saw Pierre Lebrun talk about playing hockey in June is just inappropriate. <laughs> I mean, you are I don't disagree you are going on for so long but, here. I mean, you play a long season. And, and what drives me crazy is this, and this is why international play in all sports drives me nuts. And I understand to a lot of people especially not from this country, it's important to them. But here's what drives me crazy. There's a potential, there's a very good potential, that if you're a really good player like Crosby, a great player, you started in the World Cup. Yeah. I mean, that's not fair to me. If I own a team or I have a stake in this league, I want you right now to be at your best possible. And if I'm asking you to start training camp for that in, what, August probably? September. That's to oh, me, yeah. No, but I'm saying if for you the World played, Cup, if you played for the U.S., I guess, it, I guess or, it must have been August. Yeah, that to me is ridiculous. When I'm now asking you to continue playing at your best in your most important games the following June. Yeah, and I I also think part two to that is 
we the rules have not been called here in the playoffs and the league basically says hey you want a machete like here have a weapon grab a chair or they drill or, a guy or it's they fine do call things and, and it's wildly inconsistent because yeah. of what you're saying which is they don't call well, they call it sometimes but not all the time i thought last night there were complaints that some penalties shouldn't have been called the a consistent standard is always important but in, to me i want to see way more cracking down on all the stuff that goes on away from the puck that the interference the cross-checking in front of the net, the slashing. Do we need all the great players to have broken fingers by the time they get to the Stanley Cup final? I mean, yes, I would be fine with shortening up that first series, although that provides for more randomness, and this sport already has a problem with randomness. Sure. Uh, but for me, it's let your stars shine. And you know who doesn't get upset about power plays? Anyone. No one. I have never heard a fan ever say, you know what? I'm really mad that I got to see Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin and Chris Letang when he's healthy pass the puck back and forth, three of the best players, and score. I've never heard anyone ticked off about that. And I've never heard anyone say, you know what I really want Sidney Crosby to have? A concussion. Or what I really want is somebody like Ryan Kessler to go by and elbow Ryan Johansson in the head and not get penalized for it. I mean, it just allows everybody to do whatever they want and it takes away from the product. Well, how do we get there? How, how do we get to a point though, where to go back to what you said, we get even a semblance of consistency. Cause that's where this, I think that's where this starts is if you were to pull players right now, they probably couldn't tell you, they couldn't even come close on what's going to get called Mm -hmm. and conversely what's not going to get called. I believe that it starts with the general managers having way too much say in what goes on. I mean, they make the rules and they sign off on the rules and the commissioner is just worried about his next outdoor game. What you have in Adam Silver in the NBA is Adam Silver seems really concerned and interested in the quality of the game. So when you had teams doing the hack of DeAndre Jordan or whatever, uh-huh. he immediately took action and said, no, 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 we can't have this. And when teams have started to sit stars, it became a major conversation. And you can bet that they're going to work, and they already have. They already tried to change schedules to have less back-to-backs, uh-huh. that they immediately are saying what we care about first and foremost is – that our quality of the game is the best that it can be. Mm-hmm. And I don't have that feeling whatsoever from Gary Bettman based on the number of injuries that guys have, how they call the games, the instant replay. It does not seem like they have any idea how fans view the game. Not just casual who might just drop in, but us oh, hockey they're, nuts. They're gone, by the way. Yeah, no, there is no such thing. tuned out during game one. Uh, let me give you two of the primary reasons why I think this problem exists in hockey. Adam Silver, number one, when it comes to basketball, cares about the good of the sport. So he's a basketball fan. Mm-hmm. He cares about basketball. Uh, your commissioner in hockey would need to care about the sport. Yes. Uh, number two is Silver strikes me as a guy, he's a smart guy, who understands his sport. Like he gets the nuances of his sport. He understands it. You would need to have a commissioner in hockey who understands the sport. And I think you're strike one, strike two when it comes to hockey. I think you have a commissioner who cares very much about how he's going to get his 
how he's going to get the owners paid. He cares about that because that gets him paid. And I think deep down to this day, Gary Bettman does not understand the sport. And that's your two biggest problems. Because you're right. Gary Bettman, what is he worried about? Gary Bettman is worried about things like outdoor games. Gary Bettman is worried about putting an odd team into the league next season because he built people in Las Vegas for $500 million. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, you've got teams in, uh, in Arizona and Carolina and Florida that aren't healthy. So if you had a guy who actually cared about the sport, I think our entire conversation is different. I don't think that you do. Let me take it back to what's going on in the ice because it does always push me toward I want this sport to be so much better. Um, and it can and it can be with a few simple changes that Gary Bettman refuses to make. But let me just take it back to Penguins and Predators. Sure, Sidney Crosby is up two nothing. He's got a chance to win his third Stanley Cup. Uh, is this his most impressive accomplishment as an NHL hockey player? Let me give you my case because I think it is. Mm-hmm. Concussion, no Chris Letang. A roster that is weaker in the forward depth than it was last year because Nick Benino hasn't been as effective. Patrick Hornquist hasn't been healthy. Uh, Carl Hagelin hasn't been healthy. I know Ge- uh, Gensel has ste- stepped up, but you wouldn't have expected that, that a kid from the AHL who played a good number of NHL games, but just a kid would come up and score like this. But sure. I think with... The depth, the injury to Matt Murray that forced Marc-Andre Fleury to play, the fact that Washington may have had its strongest team the entire Ovechkin era this year, mm-hmm. him raising another cup, I think, trumps everything he's done before in terms of degree of difficulty, mm-hmm. where he always had Chris Letang, or even in the gold medal games and things like that, he's always been surrounded by unbelievable talent. This year... He's had to do a lot of putting it on his back in order to win another one. Uh, yes, I think I think the case that you made, I could completely buy in a heartbeat. And here's the thing, too. When I was a youth, Matthew Collar, um, right before I started to follow hockey, the Montreal Canadiens reeled off four consecutive cup wins. Mm-hmm. When I was a young fan following hockey, Islanders won four consecutive cups. And then they were followed by the Oilers and Gretzky and that collection, which won cups. The Pittsburgh Penguins, if they win the cup this year and go back-to-back, will be the first team, I believe, to go back-to-back. So not three, not four, just two in a row since the 97-98 Red Wings. This and Crosby is their guy. Therefore, my conclusion is what they're about to do here or what they could do here is incredibly impressive and has become very hard to do. There was a time when when putting together a dynasty type of team and reeling off cups was, don't get me wrong, it's impressive, but it was commonplace. Mm -hmm. It's not now. I mean, we are talking about basically a 20-year period here. Um, So, yes, I think given the amount of games that you have to play, given how talented this league is now, given all of the adversity that you must deal with in a season, that uh, that to me, the storyline is the Crosby-led Penguins are about to do something that has become damn near impossible. So my other question is, if Crosby finishes the job, uh, let's just say he or Malkin wins the consmite. Right now, I would give it to Malkin. I know that Gensel's making a good case, but, I mean, he's a, he's a side player who's put pucks in the net. But the sure. the two centerpieces, Malkin has outscored Crosby. 
I would say the fact that Malkin has played with Phil Kessel and Crosby has played with just whoever comes along makes Crosby more impressive. I was looking at the ice time, Crosby versus Eric Carlson mm-hmm. versus Malkin and Eric Carlson. Uh-huh. Crosby was on for double the ice time against Carlson in that series that it's pretty clear Mike Sullivan feels that Crosby is the most dominating two-way player in the game, which I think he is and oh, always actually. has been. Yeah. Uh, he, I mean, okay, when he was 18 years old, he was more of an offensive player. But over the last five years, there's not a better two-way player in the league than Crosby. And so he's putting him out against the toughest of the tough in every single series. Mm-hmm. I think he wins this one, and we should say it is Gordie Howe, Wayne Gretzky, Sidney Crosby as the three best players of all time. Oh, boy. Yeah, you know, I this this is a difficult I, – I can see that. Uh, this is a difficult conversation, too, based on this. Uh Last week or two weeks ago, we put on our Roco TV, we put an Oilers game. <laughs> Please on. tell us more details about this Roco TV. Inch, it's oh, gorgeous. Inch, Absolutely really? gorgeous. It's a great TV. You don't even need any cords. You don't need cords. And <laughs> and because Phil is technologically savvy, he can find you hockey games from the 80s. So we put, <laughs> so we put on an, an Oilers-Flyers game in which I believe Gretzky got up to uh, 50 goals in thir- 39 games in, I believe, circa 82. And you watch that hockey from back then. And Gretzky's still incredible. So this is no dig against Wayne. But you watch hockey from back then. And the speed of the game and the overall um, skill of the game compared to now, it's a different sport. Mm -hmm. It's a different sport. So what Crosby has done to me is off the charts. And Crosby also, for as physical as he is willing to play, and the fact that he, he plays a style for a superstar, he plays a style that is basically gritty, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think if you were just to try and lump guys together, you would say Hal from his era, Bobby Orr defensively from his, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Gretzky from his, Crosby. Uh, I'm trying to think of I think that would be too. your Mount Rushmore. Because Bobby yeah. Orr, the way that I do it... Always, Orr would definitely get on there. So, with yeah. historical comparisons... Um, but they are tough to make. They're so tough because because the skill around the players face now, like a LeBron or a Crosby, is so much higher than what those guys face. It is, but they also have many more advantages that are going their direction, like just health-wise with Sidney Crosby. I mean, think about the training regiments that he has, and he they, they have data where he can look up what his blood oxygen level is and things like that. I mean, there's just he all would have these... just played concussed for yeah. years until he basically was forced out out of the game. Yeah, I mean, there's, back in the day, there's advantages to sure. all to all of that technological, especially. I mean, he's got better lighter sticks than Wayne Gretzky ever had, and and on and on and on. Right, uh, but I always look at it as how much did you dominate your game. Like at at the time, you could only play against the competition yeah, given you were the given. Parameters. That's so true. how much did you dominate? So like Babe Ruth, when he's hitting sixty, the next best guy might be hitting thirty home runs at that time. So yeah, he's the goat, right? Because he was dominating. Or Barry Bonds was dominating at the same level or beyond what everybody else was. Mm-hmm. And when I look at Crosby, yeah, he scored forty four goals this year, which in Wayne Gretzky's era would have been like a second line player. Yep. But in this era, that led the NHL. 
and his the amount of points he produces per game is so far ahead of the next best player, which I think is Malkin, actually. But it's so far ahead of the next best player for his era, not to mention how dominating he is on the puck. Here and comes, we can here comes your guy McDavid, though. Yeah, he's coming. He's we, coming up on the right. But, but we can so and now we can look up those numbers on how dominating a guy uh, is on the puck and things sure. like that. But so I look at it as very similar to the points per game with where the league was and what that guy was producing mm-hmm. from Wayne Gretzky to Sidney Crosby. And now you add this amount of winning to go along with it. Yep. And you think about it. I mean, how many years now has Sidney Crosby been in the league? He has been in the league for he came they came five oh six out of lockout, right? Oh five oh six. So he because they missed oh four oh five, right? So that's eleven years. Yes. And now four out of those eleven he's been in the Stanley Cup. Or no, five five out of eleven? Yeah. Or four. No, because this would be his third, but they lost, lost one, right? But they lost one. So it'd be four out of eleven. Yeah. In this era, that is really unbelievable. That yes. a, that a guy could, could, could do that. And that that is different from when you just had one team that was so dominant. And when there's more scoring, there's less parity, as we see. Give me give me your theory on this. And, and Phil c- complains about this, and I don't have a good answer for him. Why do you think that this league has done such a poor job of, of doing what the NBA does brilliantly, which is marketing its superstars so that if you're a fan, I don't know, take your pick, just, in, just an arbitrary fan, a sports fan, and you're a kid, this league doesn't seem to me to take you by the shirt collar and say, you might not love my sport, but you're going to love this guy. Why do, you, why do you think we are sitting here in a Stanley Cup finals now, and I don't really hear the marketing of P.K. Subban. I don't hear – I mean, they mentioned him, don't get me wrong, but the marketing of players in this league, to me, seems to fall so short. Uh, I, I think What's part of it is – in basketball, its history has always been about stars. Like, if you really loved the Lakers, you would know Michael Thompson and you would know AC Green and you right. But if you're anyone, you'd know who Magic Johnson was. Correct. My mom knows Magic Johnson or Larry Bird, yes, and Larry Bird, yes. And that is part of the nature of the sport from its very beginnings that you had superstars who could take over you guys are talking about george mikan back yeah. in the day change the game one player can make such a huge difference michael jordan made it that way too i mean every era of basketball is about an individual one star and then filling in around him where hockey is the type of sport that with wayne gretzky people love to give credit to whoever thug was on his line to protect him dave right? Semenko, baby dave Semenko, right? who was the other guy uh also played for the Kings. McSorley? Marty McSorley. Yeah, I mean, like, th- those type of guys, it, it not only do the players just play fewer minutes, but it's part of the hockey culture to always be giving credit to your teammates, giving credit oh, sure, to, I get, right? I get that. I'm, I'm saying from a league standpoint now, though, I mean, it seems to me like Gretzky, when I was a kid, it seemed to me that Gretzky was really put out there. Yeah. And it was well done. I the last player, and I might be wrong here, but the last player that I remember being marketed absolutely correctly was Lemieux. It felt like he was really put out there, and since him, it seems to sort of come up short. I mean, it's not that people don't know who Crosby is. I just don't know if he's been marketed as well as he should have been. Well, one thing, one theory I have on that a little bit. Now, I mean, I agree that Sidney Crosby they should be talking much, much more about all the great things that he's done. 
Uh, but I do have a theory about this for why the sport can't get any traction from outside with its stars. Mm -hmm. I would call this the Yukon women theory that everybody knows about the Yukon women's basketball team. Everyone. I can stop people in the halls of our building and be like, Yukon women. They'd be like, oh, they, uh, they win a lot. Right. Uh, even people who don't care about sports know who they are. Why? Because they did something historic and special and it got covered and it got interest. The Stanley Cup final only gets coverage and interest because it is the Stanley Cup final and it's a, the, the greatest trophy, the greatest trophy celebration. But the fact that hockey has removed uh, the ability to score five, six goals in a game for teams, what they've also taken away is great accomplishments. Like, yes, you have parody, but you know what you don't have? You don't have Cavs Warriors. You don't have history. You don't have a guy going for his seventh NBA final or NBA championship or whatever. LeBron, What's LeBron going for? Four titles and seven appearances or eight appearances? It's whatever. Right there, yeah. But it's outrageous. Like, sure. Steph Curry starts shooting threes from half court and making them, and it's outrageous. And people sure. tune in to see sports greatness. I heard people say about the UConn women, oh, man, who would want to watch that? They just kill everyone. Ratings? Fantastic. So twice what Crosby, they would be. But, but isn't what Crosby's doing only to us. bordering on being? Only, I think, shouldn't, it, shouldn't it be yeah. considered greatness? I think it's only to us. I think only to us. Back-to-back Stanley Cup Finals is not that impressive to anybody. 44 goals isn't that impressive to anybody. It's not going to make national headlines. How about Subban, then? I mean, here's a young player. He is fantastic. He's dynamic. He's fun. God knows this league needs yeah. more fun because it's yep. the most buttoned down. I'm going to give credit to the trainer and, and my parents and everybody but myself. I mean, why isn't a guy like that? The league should the league should throw him front and center and say, "This is us." I think it's about the culture. I mean, and the fact that PK is black and they don't want a black man to be the face of their sport, which I mean, is what they should be embracing. I mean, there's, I don't think that there's any way you can read the tea leaves on that situation and say that that's not the truth when you have one of their big talkers of the sport calling him a clown for dancing in warmups. I think we know. Uh, the way that, the that's way embarrassing. that he's viewed. It, it is. But I think part of it is it just the way he is goes against hockey culture. In the NBA, no, that does. You're right. He'd be like the 30th but that's most what I'm saying. But that's outrageous my point. That's what needs to change. Yeah. That's what needs. I get everyone trying to be a good teammate. I completely get that. But we're looking at we're looking at a sport that you would say to yourself, P.K. Subban should be on billboards. He should be in commercials. He should be the type of guy, the, the style. I mean, forget his color for one second. The style he plays, the personality he brings, the fact that he dances, you know, during the pregame skate, which is funny and goofy and fantastic. All of those things, the league should say, oh, my gosh, we've got something here that's great and fans will like this. And I understand we don't we I understand we're a team game and we want to go a long ways towards, you know, reflecting team. But it's 2017. Mm-hmm. It's 2017, and somebody, I would think, in a marketing room should say, this is a real opportunity. I think it really tells you everything you need to know when P.K. Subban has to defend his personality on an E60 piece, where he has to actually go on there and be defensive about him being outspoken. And you know what's amazing to me? That P.K. Subban has a guaranteed contract, he's super popular, he makes a ton of money, and still... He tries 
to not bring up the race factor of this, which to me is blatant and obvious as it could be. But he doesn't even say it. He doesn't even say, you know what, John Scott, who's saying that I'm a garbage player. You know what, man? Or, you know, Montreal Canadiens, he said, I've never gotten an explanation for why you were traded. Well, I've got an idea of why. Because you used your personality, and they didn't want that. And what's John Scott, who was a goon, who only who only uh, got into the national conscious beat because of the All Star Game embarrassment? Uh, what is John Scott doing, saying something like that? And and didn't, if I'm not mistaken, didn't John Scott get traded to M- Montreal and spend some time with Subban last season? I think he went right to the minors. Okay, so I don't think oh, he I, did. You might be right. I don't think he did. But, I mean, what's he doing saying that? Um, That's idiotic. The only thing I could think of that would be an excuse for him is that it was maybe out of context. Okay. If he was saying that other teams hate playing against him because they think he's garbage out there or something, but that's not how it read. I think what you saw was the real John Scott, maybe not the Disney version, John Scott, which is how he was propped up. <laughs> well put, uh, boy, that really tells you something that people know who he is because that's the only way the NHL gets any attention is when it's a ridiculous goofy story and that like john scott and john scott's the gong show yeah not Subban. Yeah. no not suban he's a player john scott's a gong show and an embar- and that's an embarrassment and his his situation you're right his situation was a complete embarrassment but it got that league more attention than almost anything else has and that's the funny thing right is that um if if this was other leagues with the way pk acts where he dresses nice and he does a lot of things in the community and he'll make some funny videos or fun videos or, or make jokes in press conferences or whatever else. Yeah. Any other league that has that guy as a star, and this even goes for baseball, which is as stiff as it gets. But even baseball, if the guy's a legit star like PK is, a Norris Trophy winner, usually that's going to be highly embraced. Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, if if you're a, if, fun, fun baseball players, if you're good, if you're MLB loves be, you. If you are willing to be a character, oh, it's embraced big time, and it should be. That's my point. Is it should be embraced. Well, big Poppy would be a good example of yes, that. Yes, and it should be embraced, and it's fun, and that's what sports needs. Sports does not need button-down in 2017. Mm-hmm. We got enough of that. Sports needs and hockey needs to be something where people gravitate to it and say, you know what, I'm not a huge fan of the game per se, but tonight I'm going to watch a game because I like this guy. And I don't have an immediate solution that doesn't involve firing Gary Batman. But I also think that I'm okay with that. By the here's way. one thing that's kind of amazing to me is just hockey is all hockey people. I don't know that every other sport is quite like that, that football, a lot of the GMs were not NFL players, uh, baseball, same thing. I mean, maybe you have someone like Brian Cashman who played baseball in college or sure. whatever, or, uh, I guess Rick Spielman would qualify that way that he played college and his brother's an NFL player. Sure. Uh, but he, but it's not just all run by X players like hockey. Is. Baseball's getting to be like that. I it, mean, they played baseball, but they didn't necessarily play pros. Yeah, no, you're right. And hockey, I, I think hockey is eventually going to change, but hockey is ultimately the, probably the, the um, number one old school, old, you know, GM was a defenseman for Chicago. GM mm-hmm. was a defense. No, that's true, and perhaps that that changes. But I think I think you're right. I think it starts with the commissioner's office. I really do. I yeah. think it starts with somebody going to the o- ownership and saying we could get five hundred million dollars for this franchise. But you know what? In the long term, it's probably short sighted, mm-hmm. and that's not going to happen. So 
or it hasn't happened. And until you get someone who's who can go to the ownership group and say, here's why we shouldn't do this, as opposed to, oh, yeah, why not? I mean, you're going to put an odd team into Vegas next year in a place where it's going to be, I think, fantastic for a year or two. And then the Oakland Raiders are going to move to Vegas. And guess what? You're going to be old news, right? Mm-hmm. And and now you're going to have eventually another probably struggling franchise to go along with your three or four probably or more for all I know struggling franchise. And you can bet that there will be another lockout along the way because hockey loves to not have hockey games because of well, how business about this, disputes. Collar? How about the fact that there is a very good chance that once again, I think for the second or third consecutive year, at least the second, the salary cap is going to stay flat. Mm-hmm. I mean, every the NBA is skyrocketing upward, right? So I can improve my team tomorrow. Like I can, and if I need to re-sign uh, Towns, I can re-sign Towns. The NHL is going to go through a system again or a year again where the salary cap essentially stays the same. Can't improve your team that way. Makes it hard. Makes it hard to get your fans uh, incentivized to go to get excited about your team when you can't improve your team. Real quick. Question before we wrap up, Minnesota Wild related. Um, if you look at Nashville and how they were built, now I, I wouldn't say they didn't do it through tanking because they had to have Seth Jones' fourth overall pick to be able to trade for Ryan Johansson. So also Philip Forsberg was a was a top pick, and that's kind of an anomaly trade that you got super lucky to, to get and Washington was out of their minds. But do you look at a team that was created almost entirely for its stars by trades as I don't know some way to be excited about the off season for the wild, because I think the wild are going to have to get pretty involved in the trade market here with the situation with Las Vegas. Um, I don't, I don't know. That's an interesting question. And I see where you're going with that. I don't know what they're going to do as far as how, how much, they're going to make moves. Um, my natural, my inclination or answer to your question just off the top of my head is probably not. Because mm-hmm. I don't, because the way that the Predators got to where they are, one takes a lot of luck. It's difficult. It takes some savvy. Uh, I think the Wild, honestly, for the most part, is going to probably take an, another run with essentially the same core group. Mm-hmm. The other problem, too, is you're so stuck on contracts. I mean, you can't trade Parisi. You can't trade Suter. Uh, Koivu comes back for, I believe, the last year of his contract, but he can't be traded. You might do something with Pominville, uh, but no, it doesn't excite me. It doesn't excite me because I don't think it's going to play out even close to the same way. I think think they're going to be forced to make a move or two. I just don't know if those moves are going to change you drastically. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, I do think, though, the one lesson you can learn from Nashville is that these old hockey guys get really caught up on their narrative sometimes about players. Now, I'll agree, by the way, that Ryan Johansson was not, in my mind, one of the most exciting players out there before he was traded to Nashville. And I think Philip Forsberg is the real star and that Johansson really just helps him. And Johansson came on in the postseason quite a bit, correct? Yes. In the regular season, he was not – he was okay, but he wasn't a superstar. He stepped up his game. We talked about that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I've never been completely blown away by him in one way or the other, but they made a, a savvy trade there. Uh, Seth Jones is a nice player for Columbus, but they didn't need him with the defense that they had. So 
The but with the PK Subban thing, they get caught up in narratives. The Canadians had their goalie get hurt. That's why they lost. Not PK Subban. Right. With PK Subban, they went to the Eastern Conference Finals twice. Yep. And, and then in one of them got their goalie hurt. What did Nashville have? The freedom to trade Shea Weber. Yeah. If you're the Wild and you've got a guy like that, i.e. Suter. Don't have the freedom. You No freedom. Right. So the one thing, the thing that the that Nashville gave themselves was the ability to trade. And by the way, a former Suter teammate who was better than Suter. If my point is just that if there are teams out there with Taylor Halls yep. who they don't like for one reason or another, oh, he's not enough of a leader, oh, he's soft on defense, or he eats hot dogs before the game like Phil Kessel or whatever million other freaking things that might be out there. That's well put. Those are players you can steal. You Uh can take a Tyler Sagan, oh, he parties too much, or whatever it might be, and the Wild might regret not pulling the trigger on some of those players that have come open in the past, and maybe this time around they will not hesitate. So we'll see. Interesting. Yeah, I uh, it's – and hey, listen, the the Wild is coming off a a season, not playoffs, a season in which they played well. Uh, I think they're going to take an, another run uh, this coming year. But yeah, the the ability. My biggest thing with this team and why I don't see it changing a lot is your ability, salary cap wise and contract wise, is very limited. Very. Limited. It is indeed. Okay, Judd, well, enjoy the rest of the Stanley Cup final, and we will be back for another episode very soon. Sounds good. Pabst Blue Ribbon is always smooth, always refreshing, and the perfect choice at the game or out with friends. And now, add gold to the great PBR tradition, because Pabst Blue Ribbon was awarded the gold medal for American-style lager at the 2016 Great American Beer Festival. That makes four gold medals for PBR in the last 11 years. Not bad. It's that gold medal taste that has made Pabst Blue Ribbon a Twin Cities favorite. When you're this good, quality always comes through. Go for the gold. PBR me ASAP. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Right now, get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton Shred. Accessories like non-slip grip resistance bands, a heart rate monitor, yoga blocks, and more. Take your workout to the next level with Peloton. Motivation that moves you. Hurry, this limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access memberships separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.